All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from New York City on the 6th day of April, 2021. And we want to thank each of you for making this show one of the more popular shows on the Voice America Business Channel. And thank you. Uh, and, and encourage you to send along whatever comments you have to questions for Taylor at gmail.com. Questions in number four, Taylor at gmail.com. We do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Today's sponsors are Novo Resources, Sitka Gold Corp., El Oro Resources, Irving Resources, Hannon Metals, Fury Gold Mines, Great Bear Resources, Lion One Metals, SK Mining Corp., and Firefox Gold. We have a very busy schedule, so let's jump right into today's show. Uh, which I've titled Biden's Last Throw of the Geopolitical Dice. In the second half of today's show, Alistair McLeod will talk about the background to the geopolitical situation facing the Biden administration and why he thinks America is destined to fail in the current Cold War against the combined power of Russia and China, not through a lack of military power, but due to economic forces. So we'll ask Alistair to explain his, uh, his thesis on that. Now, if the global economy is going to turn green, there are there's a huge amount of copper and silver that will be required, and one mini-cap company with the backing of a major Japanese entity is Hannon Metals, with an enormous near-surface, high-grade, sedimentary-hosted target in Peru. Michael Hudson, the president of Hannon Metals, will be with me during the second segment today to, uh, to give us an update on that company's progress. Um, and then Michael Oliver, uh, Michael Oliver, who um, he's not with us today, but he he believes that we've likely seen the bottom in the bear market uh, uh, for for gold and silver. He's not with us today, but another very astute observer of precious metals and a friend of mine who has had a great deal of success investing in the markets, in energy and perhaps most of all in biotechs. Uh, that's my friend Chen Lin, and he's here. Michael's not here, but Chen's here, and we're so glad that he could be with us today. Thanks for joining me, Chen. Thank you. Glad to be back. Thank you, Chen. And uh, I just uh, just to get your quick view on the precious metals, what are your thoughts now? Michael thinks we've probably seen the bottom. What, what are you thinking? Uh, well, yes. Uh, gold is trying to bottom here. Okay, right now it's still very calm, so it's not like nothing very violent or anything. Mm-hmm. The gold needs to be over 750 to form mm-hmm. some some sort of double bottom, but GDX is already bottom. The chart mm-hmm. looks like GDX is the bottom, so it's good, you know. And usually, gold would, you know, one or the other. Usually, gold miners go first, and then gold go. 
next, it, you know, they usually go together. But uh, yeah. we have seen uh, GDX outperforming gold in the past two weeks, so which is you know very good, very encouraging. So you know, we'll see. But the, the you know the cloud, a little bit cloud is. Uh, Goldman just put out a report. Uh, they think, you know, short dollar going to rebound here. They mm-hmm. abandoned their shorting dollar. They have been shorting dollar for almost a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they think because United States vaccine is rolled out so fast, Europe is so slow, so the U.S. dollar will have, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. advantage over Europe. Mm-hmm. Right? So that, that, that's, that's the issue. It's possible. So we could consolidate as well. So it's, if it's a very interesting place for gold, definitely. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, as Michael Oliver has pointed out on this show many times, there's not that sort of correlation between the dollar and gold as a lot of people think. So sometimes it can actually move in opposite directions. But in any event, um, that's, that's interesting. And, uh, well, we'll see because uh, you and I both have a lot of interest in seeing rising precious metals prices. And I think that you have also done some things with platinum. Uh, I think you've, you sort of feel that platinum could outperform gold. Well, for the time being, because all the, the inventory are very lean. All the companies, they have a very, you know, very lean inventory. And then when the demand pick up, they always have, the, you know, misplacement, not just platinum. The best performing metal is the radium. From one thousand to six thousand right now, just in three months. So, <laughs> so it's like now it's it's back to work. Everybody wants to drive a car. Everybody wants to get a, uh, you know, lap new laptop, new new cell phone. Mm-hmm. All these uh, electric component, it's uh, demand going through the roof. Right, we have mm-hmm. a chip shortage right now. Even with yeah. with you know, so they couldn't have to shut down the assembly line. So there's a lot of issues. And uh, so, yeah, so w- w- what I feel, uh, you know, pattern is a significant discount to gold. Used to be mm-hmm. much, you know, twice as much as gold. So uh, we, yeah. have, we have some room to, to go up from here. Well, Chen, there's a, uh, an, em- uh, an emerging gold exploration story that you like a lot and one that I've just added to my newsletter, Labrador Gold Corp. Talk about that, if you would, for a moment. Yeah, I just have a very long chat with the management. I had an interview for the Meadows Investment Forum. That's I think two, mm-hmm. three weeks ago. Uh, mm-hmm. So they were they just got a permit. Okay, they are drilling. So uh, so and then they said in the interview, which published uh, on on the Metal Investment Forum website, that they are going to pop to put a picture on, because the visible gold, okay? So if they see anything good, they're going to put a picture on their website so people know they hit the target. They are very similar to their neighbor, which is Newfound Gold. And the structure-wise, if you talk to Dr. Quentin Henning, it's very similar, and that just on the border extended to their land. And then they already saw the very large physical, bo- physical gold on the surface, right? So they're mm-hmm. just drilling, just trying to find a vein going under. So it seems to be a very um, high probability, and uh, we're quite excited about that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, and I think they found, yeah, they found some high gold, high-grade gold samples on surface, and I know that Quentin Henning uh, talks about it being the same belt of rocks as the Queensway deposit uh, next door there, that's newfound gold, and they're ma- they're on to a tremendous discovery. He, uh, you know, he really compares it to that uh, very rich gold deposit over in uh, in Australia uh, that, uh, that that was really the company making for Kirk company maker for Kirkland Kirkland Lake. Well, Chen, uh, I know that right, uh, with exactly. just a couple- I just want to mention that yeah. the Labrador gold market cap is less than one tenth of newfound gold. 
I think that's, that's really the kicker, right? So, so that, that's that, that exactly will right. Be very important. That's exactly right. And and Chen, I must say that I just recently, uh, thinking in those terms, uh, have just reduced my holdings a little bit of Newfound in order to buy some uh, some Labrador Gold. Uh, and I will be covering this story in my newsletter this weekend as well. Um, so, just with a couple of minutes left here, yet yeah, Chen, uh, Amaris, Amaris Inc. is a biotech story that. Uh, is a very exciting story. Maybe just talk. Uh, take two minutes and talk about Amaris, if you would. Yeah, the Amaris is uh, something uh, I feel to have a strong potential. Uh, I was, you know, when I was buying it last year, late last year, I was trading close to cash, uh, similar as I did um, with Apple, like almost twenty years ago. So uh-huh. I missed the Apple run. I so too early, so I'm not going to sell uh, this time. So I'm kind of holding. Uh, it has been tremendous run, but and as it's Turns right. They start to cash flow positive. They just announced a major deal that put over a hundred million in their pocket. So they no longer need to raise money. They have been raising money a lot in the past few mm-hmm. years. That's why stock was so. Now they don't. They're cash flow positive. They are turning, and then they have over hundred million. They can monetize those, and then they continue to expand. The, the the idea about that is using a yeast, genetic modified yeast, to pre- produce anything you can think about in the. You know, in the world, so they can do from marijuana. If they are successful, their marijuana going to take over all the all the marijuana in plants in the world because they are so much efficient. They do they basically create marijuana on a cell level. They have those the sugar cane. You know, they, they the sugar substitute. Uh, it, it will be uh, you know uh, it will be much better and without any taste, bitter taste. You know, that's supposed to be the best. And then they have so many other things. They have squalling. Squalling is from shark liver, mm-hmm. okay, using your cosmetic. And then, you know, there are so many sharks was killed for this. Now that you don't need to kill the shark. <laughs> they do it from their yeast process. So they can, they have so many potentials. And I've seen company with, uh, they are in their same area, okay. They have a hundred, uh, one million uh, revenue. They're trading at a few billion market cap. This company has almost 200 million in revenue and trading at mm-hmm. $5 billion. So it's like, uh, relative speaking, it, it's, uh, it's a hidden gem still, even at the current price. Yeah, 20, uh, has gotten up to $22 or so, and I think uh, you might have been buying some at around 4 Chen. So congratulations on that. Certainly is a very exciting, I think a new, really sort of a revolutionary um, chemistry company. I would I would sort of look yeah, at it absolutely. that way. Biochemistry. Absolutely. There's a report come out that United States competing with China. We mentioned a little bit that there are five mm-hmm. areas. One is artificial intelligence, another is bioengineering in this area. And they're the leader in this bioengineering. It's supposed to mm-hmm. revolutionize the way, you know, for us in whatever, you know, in the future, for the next decades or if not yeah. centuries. And it might have some implications for, uh, for a greener uh, globe as well. I mean, and, and I remember hearing one of the me- members of management saying, "Yeah, we could produce more cow meat and have fewer cows, something like that." <laughs> exactly. It's pretty, it's pretty it's, crazy. It's uh, so many things. It, it, so many it, things. It's coming. Yeah. They, they have like a twenty uh, molecule, and then they're creating you know a few molecules every year. It's an assembly line. They're like a few years ahead of competition. So this yeah. is the, like the you know the, hopefully the Google of this area. Yeah, that's. It looks that it could very well be the case. Chen, I want to thank you. Their founder is their founder is also the founder of Amazon, Google, 
and um, you know, and Apple, uh, Kleiner yes, Perkins. So it's kind of Kleiner Perkins is exactly right. There's some very serious people involved with this company, and so it's it's one that I've really gotten excited about as as well, Chen. And you know, I'm such a gold bug; it's hard to pull me away from the gold sector. But this is one you've you've succeeded in getting me very excited about. I want to uh, thanks, uh, Chen. We do have to leave it go at that. Um, my engineer is telling me we're out of time. We have to run now, but. Thank you so much for sharing your ideas. It's always a pleasure having you with us. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. All righty, folks. Uh, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away. Michael Hudson, the president of Hannon Metals, will be with me when we come back. Don't go away. Fury Gold Mines is a Canadian exploration and development company committed to aggressively growing its scalable, high-grade gold assets across its 3.5 million-ounce portfolio. Led by a management team of proven explorers and developers, Fury aims to generate major catalysts and performance per share by advancing exploration campaigns across Canada. Fury is well-positioned to create value for investors with low-risk development growth and the potential for a new major discovery. Fury Gold Mines trades on the TSX and NYSE American under Fury. To learn more, go to FuryGoldMines.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really happy to have with me once again Michael Hudson. He is the CEO and chairman of Hannon Metals. Hannon Metals is a, a company that I've added to my newsletter. It's one that I'm very excited about because it has, uh, it seems to have tremendous scale and high-grade uh, copper-silver sedimentary-hosted uh, deposit. Uh, well, I guess we can't call it a deposit yet, but certainly uh, a target and, and very, very vast uh, in a number of them in Peru. Uh, that Michael will talk about in a moment. Hannon Metals trades uh, in Canada uh, and in the U.S. Uh, you can buy it um, in Canada under HAN. Uh, you can buy it in the U.S. as well under the uh, gray markets. Uh, 81 are about 83.6 million shares with some warrants recently coming in. Trading today, uh, in recently, in, in recent days, at around 47 cents in Canadian money, giving it a market cap of a little bit under $40 million. And that uh, seems like a very modest uh, market cap given what I think this company may be able to achieve uh, starting this year with some pretty serious exploration going on um, and, and with uh, COVID hopefully uh, getting around the COVID issues uh, and we'll see a more aggressive exploration program this year. So I'm really pleased that Michael could join me again. Thanks for joining me, Michael. It's always a pleasure, Jay. Good uh, good morning from down under. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, good, to, it's, it's good to talk to you. Um, uh, on the other side of the earth. Um, in your press release of March 9th, I noticed at the end you talked a little bit about the uh, the green uh, the greening of this uh, globe and how everybody is uh, putting an emphasis on reducing the carbon 
carbon footprint and, um, and and wanting to get into electric uh, transportation and so forth. Um, how does that impact? I mean, I, it seems to me that should be pretty bullish for metals like copper and silver, which is what you're looking for uh, in uh, in Peru. One, I, I guess that's those are the two metals you're primarily focused on there. It, it uh, is a huge overlay to the business. So, I mean, somewhere back in the 50s, I think the mining industry actually lost its way. Before the 50s, it was seen as a very noble industry and people understood the direct link between uh, economic growth and people's welfare and moving people out of poverty uh, into into the way that we're all now used to living. But somewhere in the 50s, I think, uh, it, uh, you know, a generation or so ago, it lost its way. And, and I think this is a chance for mining to reclaim that mantle in many respects because, as everybody knows, not everyone articulates, if you want a low-carbon world, you need more metals. And, and, uh, and, of course, there's so much discussion around sustainable and ethical supply of those metals. And with things like blockchain these days where we can almost pinpoint atom-by-atom transactions, if you like, uh, that's where it's heading, uh, we'll be able to uh, find and, and trace the metal coming from certain mines in the world in years to come. And, and, and there's huge studies happening right at the moment to do that, right through to uh, that metal landing in an iPhone battery or a Tesla or, or whatever it may be. So, so there'll be different pricing around the, the metals, and, oh. and we see that coming. And, and we already see that coming in terms of investors and their demand to see you know, a sustainable and, and appropriate ESG environmental social governance platform to, to companies and and you know you can imagine a, an Apple or a Tesla just can't afford to buy metal from from uh, inappropriate places whether it uh, whether it be environmental or high carbon issues or 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 um, poor labor practices. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you're, what you're saying is there's going to be more cognizance of of those kind of wrongdoings or irresponsible mining practices you think and uh there will be a price to be paid or at least a premium will be paid for uh for socially acceptable means of of producing these products absolutely they'll be differentiated jay and and uh it will start with the bigger companies and and move its way down just very much like our petroleum business has different categories and pricings around oil today for example for that is done because of qualities of oil but oil has lots of different pricings, and and copper only has one single price today. Uh, but but that that will change, and um, and it's it's the way it's going, and and as a consequence, uh, metals will cost more uh, um, because because there'll be fewer sources of the metals that people want to buy, and 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 they're becoming harder and scarcer, and 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 I suppose that segues into. The, the value of having very large-scale projects at earlier stages right now um, will be worth a lot should they continue to, to succeed, like what we're doing, of course, in Peru. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. It's a, a sedimentary-hosted copper-silver target, a target, I guess, more than one. Uh, and you, you have something like 1,864 square kilometers, I believe. Uh, that's 186,400 hectares. Uh, of granted mineral concession and applications in Peru, and that makes you one of the top ten in-country exploration companies by by um, 
by land area, by claim area. What vision do you have then for your for your project? I mean, give our listeners some sense of what, what you're thinking you may be able to accomplish and to what extent do you think um, you'll be able to comply with or the characteristics of your deposit or your targets, I should say, that might lend itself towards socially responsible mining? It's a, it's a very big and broad question, Jay, and I, I, I suppose it's a plan that, that has been coming together over the last two to two and a half years when we first went in back to Peru. I've had decades of experience in that country but uh, and, and love it dearly. Uh, but uh, we went back in and, and said, uh, where can we really make big discoveries? And, and you know, I suppose I got to the stage in my career that uh, I had a few ideas on what really works. And, and early stage exploration isn't always rewarded and, and the junior capital markets will reward more advanced projects and, and legacy projects where people can perhaps come in and drill some good drill holes around something that's known, but legacy projects generally are legacy for one reason. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't worked across a number of uh-huh. cycles. And, and and what really turned my crank is a, maybe an Australianism, but uh, what what I really enjoy doing, what our team really enjoys doing is, is making discoveries, and that's what motivates us. And 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 making big ones uh, is 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 just as easy as making small ones in many ways uh, if you if you look with the right viewpoints and and uh, so we said where where can we get big land positions where are the big mineralized systems forming and and we knew a little bit about this this area which is the eastern side of the Andes it's it's in the jungle it's it's a harder area to explore from a a logistical point of view, without a doubt. Um, you know, 20 years ago, it was almost impossible. I was going through there with very, a lot of security at the time because it was it was an area that where a lot of the drugs were sourced for the world. But that cleaned up, and and that really is not the case today. And and we're going in there, and we've been working there for years without any real issues whatsoever. The the the, the major risk is slips and 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 uh, and falling on rocks and hurting ourselves is is the is the truth. In if you do a risk assessment today, so we made those decisions back uh, you know a couple of years ago. Then we started uh, to to think about these different styles that haven't been found. And and you you mentioned that very big uh, land package, eighteen hundred plus square kilometres, which puts us in the top ten landholders. You can't make big discoveries without having big land positions and and then and the majors know that so they've uh, they there's there's ourselves and and Keith uh, Barron and Orania who who make up the top 10 and then the average market cap of the top 10 is something like 50 billion dollars so so you you can just see the major companies like taking big positions and and we're we're replicating that and 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 now we're you know, looking for large mineralizing systems in 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 Peru's new frontier frontier areas, and and it's two pronged. Uh, it is number one this sediment hosted copper system, which is which is relatively new to to Peru. This is this is uh, a system that's known right from Colombia through Ecuador, Peru, Argentina down to Chile, but nobody's really looked at these things in detail. There's there's some mines in Bolivia based on, on this mineralizing system. But these form big, vast, vast mineralizing systems. The, the Kufa Schiefer in, in Poland extends through Poland and into northern Germany and, and is, is collectively the, the largest silver producer on Earth even today, even though it's been mined since the Middle Ages, essentially. And, and really, um, they, they, they form generational-scale projects. And, and, and that's what we found. We've got tenure over 
something like 120 kilometers and it's tens of kilometers across that that we're looking and we're finding the the right style of mineralization like a pancake uh, more or less thin but high grade over, over those kind of distances and and we were very fortunate to get Jogmec, the Japanese government, uh, has an arm that looks to source metal for its industry. And we did a deal with them late last year where they've, they can spend up to 35 million US dollars to earn 75% in this project over the next uh, coming years. And, and over the next few years, we're even putting 7 million US dollars over the next three years into this. So we will have ramped up exploration as as we come out and learn how to work with, with COVID. We were, we were slowed down last year and even this year we had uh, February as a gap as Peru's numbers started to increase again. But we're, we've been there working and and, and you'll see you know, double the expiration dollars going to the ground this year than we than we spent last year, or, or actually three times as much, uh, flying big airborne surveys and, and, and lots of teams on the ground and working up to permitting to drilling, which is very slow in, in Peru. So we don't see ourselves drilling until uh, ne- next year, early next year, but, uh, but we, we've got a lot of work to do. So, so you know, a, a very large... A very large uh, supporter. It's not costing Hannon shareholders a cent to participate in all this upside. That is the San Martin project and and uh, a vast new style of mineralization that's really just starting to to be understood by us. And 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 there's a lot of eyes on on us and what we're doing. And 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 then that's only one third, of course, of what we're doing in, in Hannon. Two thirds of that ground holding is in our own right so far, so not not under joint venture. And and we've made some very early stage discoveries a few hundred kilometers south of that joint venture with Jogmec, looking for a slightly well a very different style. They're copper gold porphyries. Uh, we're we're in uh, we're in an area that's seen very little exploration again, and we've had teams there for the last four or five months. We put out one press release earlier this month that I know has got lots of people in the industry talking uh, and and observing what we've got. It's very hard for for your listeners to to make an assessment between any company, I'm sure, and the results they're getting and beyond the headline numbers. Well, and then the headline numbers that we're finding up to 25% copper there, but the the more impressive thing is the scale that we're finding high grade copper and streams stream sediment samples which are which are defining very large catchment areas. So it looks like We've locked and reloaded our exploration portfolio and, and going to do again what we've done over the last 18 months in San Martin and, and define a, 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 world, a potential world-class terrain. Uh, so you've got uh, two of those already in, in, in Hannon, one, one fully funded and one we're working up to, 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 uh, to look to do the same again. So I guess this year it's, it's going to be mostly surface work, uh, getting ready, learning the geology, and then uh, preparing for drilling in uh, early 2022. That would be on your uh, joint venture project. Um, and, and what about some of those uh, projects? I, I believe that some of your targets, and the two-thirds of the land mass that you hold, uh, that some of those are, I mean, you mentioned there's the por- gold, copper gold porphyry target, but uh, the others are, are mostly the sedimentary hosted copper silver uh, targets, much like your joint venture one. Uh, yeah, so it's it's of, of the eighteen hundred square kilometres, uh, a third is under joint venture with Jogmec, which is a sediment hosted system. Now, approximately fifty percent of the total land holding would be sediment hosted copper, and fifty percent would be um, 
would be copper, gold, porphyry, and 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 I think I'm just picking up on the different styles. Uh, you know, they, they, the two styles produce pretty much 95% of the world's copper. Uh, porphyry slightly outnumbers sediment-hosted systems these days, but sediment-hosted systems are in many respects much more amenable to the modern world, and we we touched on ESG at the start of this conversation, but but high grade systems they're they're thin but they form underground systems so so the 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 average grades around the world of whatever commodity you're looking at are are dropping and that means we need to find bigger bigger volumes of rock to mine the same metal generally so you know back uh, back 15 or 20 years ago it was a percent copper that was sort of the minimum position that we looked at for for whatever style of deposit and and you know that's that's almost halved it's probably around to 0.6 now works gold is uh dropping in similar ways too so so people are mining bigger and bigger uh volumes of rock to get the same amount of metal not more and um and then the other the other thing to add to the mix is this growing population we have will mine more copper in the next 20 years and you've probably heard this one many times than we have for the whole history of the earth so we need more and more (laughs) We need to do it in more environmentally responsibly uh, and having high grade in underground mines where you have a much lower footprint feeds so well in, over vast areas feeds so well into that dynamic. So it's, it, it really is a, a style for the future as well, these sediment hosted systems. So you're looking for a high grade underground and less of a footprint than you might have in some of the larger scale uh, open pit mines. Exactly. And, and, and we do have those porphyry targets, uh, but you know, we may be looking at though they could be deeper and they could be underground too, of course, sure. but, mm-hmm. uh, but certainly the days of big open pits are coming harder and harder to um, operate, I believe. And, and it, it's not the end, but there will be specific areas where, where, where open pitting will just stop and, and we'll, we'll feed into that ESG. And, 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 and there's a term that your listeners probably have never heard. It's called project governance. Um, and, you know, we, we, we know about board governance and making mm-hmm. sure boards operate appropriately, but it's a, it, uh, it's a question that can be applied to a, a project itself and building a project that should be built yeah. as opposed to that can be built mm-hmm. uh, with all the overlay of ESG and social demands and political demands that are, are so much different these days. So we're going to have to wait for drill results, uh, the third dimension, so to speak, in early 2022, but there, it should be mentioned that you'll be having, I'm sure, news releases coming out from time to time. For example, this one that came out on the 9th of March. Uh, there's a lot of great information in there and exciting information too. I mean, you talk about... Uh, zone east and zone south, a uh, strike of over two and a half kilometers, a, a structure that you found that's mineralized uh, in uh, some pretty impressive grades that are there on on surface, I guess, right? These are outcrops. Exactly, and outcrops are few and far between in the areas, but this, these were the first outcrops that we found over something like two and a half kilometers strike of a system we're seeing it, and it's open, and it's, it's uh, you know, it open, it's open in, in, in every direction, and, and we're only finding in this, in this, in, in two dimensions at surface and not, not at depth, of course, because these are surface sampling, but you'll see meet, you know, what, one to three meters at, at, uh, various percents of copper, um, that show these, this system can develop you know i think there's up to six percent copper there over over significant widths and 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 it it was 80 kilometers from the other outcrops that we found late last year so it (laughs) you know it's and it's the same system and it's developing so so each release that you see will um 
will really uh, be a, a groundbreaking one in terms of discovery, I think, in terms of what we're doing. We're, we're doing a, a hell of a lot of stream sediment surveys over that vast area so we can start to pick the anomalous catchments to narrow down our search. We're just about to fly a, a, a an industry-leading, I think, uh, I can say, uh, LiDAR survey, which is what, um, for those listeners who've got the iPhone 12, they know what a LiDAR camera is because you can basically point your camera around a room or a chair and it will image the chair or image the room to to intimate points and it's basically throwing out lots of laser points and receiving those back and measuring the distance between the camera and that point and 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 you can measure and map surfaces and and we can do that now uh with with the increasing technology that's only yeah. relatively new over the last few years fly these jungle areas and see the ground and map those outcrops without having to, to cut our way through thick forest and and then we can measure them and and see where they're going, and uh, and and you know that that that's got us really excited because it will really shortcut our path to discovery too. Wow, technology certainly is playing a major role in exploration, development, and production in the mining sector. Uh, Michael, we'll have to leave it go with that. It's really, uh, I think, it's a really fascinating, promising story that people should be paying attention to. Uh, your press releases will come out, and those people who are really able to perceive. Uh, the magnitude of this thing, I think they want to pay close attention uh, to what's going on. So I want to thank you very much for being with us and sharing this uh, very exciting story with our listeners once again. Thank you, Jay. Uh, this is this is one to play out over the next few years, but it's certainly the opportunity is, is vast, and, and we've even got the Japanese government seeing that. And, and Absolutely. We look forward to, we look forward to uh, talking to you again. Thank you for having me Absolutely. You bet. Thank you very much. Well, folks, don't go away because Alistair McLeod is coming on uh, right after the commercial break to talk about his recent article titled Biden's last throw of the geopolitical dice. You won't want to miss what Alistair has to say, so don't go away. Great Bear Resources, trading under GBR on the TSXV and GTBAF on the OTCQX, is a gold exploration company focused on their district-scale Dixie project in the renowned Red Lake Mining District of Ontario. Having made multiple high-grade near-surface gold discoveries, GBR's capital efficiency has allowed them to be fully funded to complete a very active 300,000-meter drill program through 2021. Stay up to date on what's been considered one of the best-performing exploration stocks in the last three years by visiting greatbearresources.ca. Voice America is available on your Google Connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Really happy to have with me once again, Alistair McLeod. Uh, he has a background as a stockbroker, a banker, an economist, and he's a senior fellow at the Gold Money Foundation and the head of research at Gold Money. And uh, you should really look for his weekly missives that he writes. He's an essay 
a serious uh, thought about what is happening and why things are going the way they are in the markets. Uh, and uh, so he's he's right. Every, every Thursday, uh, it's one of those things I look forward to receiving in my inbox every every Thursday. Or you go to goldmoney.com is the place you need to go to, uh, to um, the Gold Money, the research page uh, at Gold Money every week uh, on Thursdays. Thank you for joining me again, Alistair. That's my pleasure, Jay. It's always good to have you with me, and I would like to uh, have you comment a bit about your March 25th article titled Biden's Last Throw of the Geopolitical Dice. Um, in providing an overview in that article, you stated, and I quote, in a continuing Cold War, America is already on the back foot. So could you describe for us what you mean by America being on the back foot? Well, I think America has been on the back foot for uh, some time um, in the war, if you like, of the hegemons, if I can put Uh it that way. Um, You have America on one side and you have the partnership uh, of uh, Russia and China on the other. And uh, the the interesting thing is that um, the founder of geopolitics was a chap called Halford Mackinder. And uh, he wrote a paper for the Royal Geographic Society back in 1905, uh, which posited that um, he who controls the world island controls the world. And his definition of the world island basically was between the Volga and the Yangtze River. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a resource-rich um, uh, area, uh, and uh, of course, it's um, governed by uh, a combination of Russia and China. And since they threw off the mantles of um, uh, anti-capitalistic socialism, mm-hmm. if I can just put it that way, um, they have gradually been working together, uh, building into a mutual power base based on, uh, if you like, um, their sharing of the continent, their sharing of the world island, and uh, uh, Russia's uh, very rich resources and her energy. And uh, Russia is the largest exporter of energy in the world, even more than Saudi Arabia, um, because wow. you know, with 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 Russia, we're also including natural gas um, as 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 well. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, we're looking at a very powerful combination which um, uh, governs um, really uh, the vast majority of Asia. And on top of that, China has over the last uh, uh, decade or two extended her influence into the other part of the world island, which uh, basically is Africa. Mm-hmm. And she now controls Africa uh, in any way you go in Africa. And I remember I was doing some business in Zambia, and um, they've got a rather antiquated telephone system. Uh, and uh, I called, I called so, uh, someone in, um, uh, you know, in the capital there, uh, and uh, got an all lines of busy message in English, and then, uh, you know, the same message. Not in Chinyanga, which is the local language, um, not in French, but in Chinese. And that (laughs) tells you all you need to know. Because, of course, uh, Zambia uh, used to be uh, northern Rhodesia. And, of course, they've got the copper mines up there in the north, um, which are of great interest to China. So you can see why China has extended her interests in those directions. And the other thing is that, of course, she's built uh, the Twin Silk Roads, there's the Overland. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, I mean, uh, for example, Zanussi, which is a white goods manufacturer in um, Italy, 
um, has stuff manufactured in its factories or, um, if you like, sort of under contract in uh, China, it's then put into these uh, containers uh, and uh, comes over by rail and it's delivered literally within a week. Um, rather than having to go all the way around, uh, you know, the sort of the sea routes. Mm -hmm. So, um, and the sea routes are also important and spurs uh, off it, joining up with the Silk Road itself, bringing mm -hmm. in Iran. I mean, Iran is the third member, the third serious member of uh, this evolving situation. So um, what we're looking at, if you're taking the whole of the world island, we are looking at um, a bare majority of the world's population. Um, basically uh, out of uh, the influence of, uh, of of the US dollar. And this is a very serious situation because while um, international trade is still mainly US dollar, and certainly the purchase of all commodities uh, are done internationally, um, mm -hmm. priced in US dollars, you can see how you've got this sleeping giant there who actually is sort of semi-detached to the dollar and uh, not only that but has ambitions to use its own currencies in the fullness of time they have been very smart about the way they have um, run things and we saw this particularly under um, uh, uh, President Trump because um, at virtually every provo provocation um, from the Americans, the Chinese and the Russians did not respond. Mm -hmm. Anything they did was very quiet. Um, it, it was uh, out of the headlines. I mean, for example, um, the uh, attempt to destabilize Syria. I mean, the Russians were there as well. And uh, they were giving uh, uh, covert support uh, to, to, um, uh, you know, to, to the Syrian government, uh, along with um, the, the, the Turks. So you can see that in that situation, I mean, America was on the back foot. And I think one of the sensible things that uh, uh, President Trump did was uh, try and disengage mm -hmm. from that theater. But of course, he was prevented from doing so um, because this was not a policy which was acceptable to uh, Langley. I mean, Langley basically, um, I think, has a, a huge influence on the president when it comes to geopolitics. I mean, yeah. it, it, this is, you know, you, this is happens when you get a permanent establishment. Mm -hmm. It's very, very hard to run against it. So mm -hmm. um, that was a big, big problem. Anyway, the whole point of it is that um, China and Russia between them now have probably more economic power than America. Um, and the problem is that America, I mean, I think people in the administration, you know, the sort of the people who, um, you know, are the sort of long time staffers do actually understand this problem. They know that they're fighting a difficult battle and they think they're trying to stop the slide. But um, I think there are others in uh, the Biden administration who actually I would, you know, I hope it wouldn't be too offensive, but say they're a bit wet behind the ears when it comes to these issues. Now, Biden himself, of course, has had a long history of involvement with foreign affairs, uh, being on, you know, uh, committees and all the rest of it. So um, I think that he, he does have uh, some knowledge of what is involved, but it's very much, I think, in the Langley mold. I mm -hmm. would expect Langley to take the view that from, from their point of view, President Biden is a safe pair of hands, which basically means that he will continue doing what Langley wants. Uh, and what the Obama administration basically carried out before Trump, I suppose.
Yes, uh, an ex- exactly. An extension of that, yeah. So what we're talking about here is this rising competition between the hegem- hegemons, the yes. U.S. on the one hand and the Chinese and Russians uh, coming together on the other. You have this massive amount of, of, of natural resources uh, energy, as you say, Russia is the largest energy producer. Of course, if you're saying Iran is part of this serious, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it, and they are an energy giant as well. Clearly, um, clearly, China needs energy. At the same time, the United States and and the West is talking about going green and using windmills. Uh, China is very serious about about securing its uh, uh, its petrol. I guess, isn't it? Uh, yeah. It understands that you need that in order to be a rising power and, and for prosperity, frankly. Yes, um, exactly that. And I mean, certainly, I think I, I think perhaps um, part of the sort of unwritten um, uh, strategy from the West about um, oil is they see that Russia is now the largest exporter. Mm-hmm. And there is no doubt that Saudi Arabia is drifting out of the American sphere of influence. I mean, she doesn't supply any oil to America for no. a start. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and there's another interesting point, because I, I interviewed um, a director of one of the Swiss refiners, um, I think back in 2014. Mm-hmm. And they were incredibly busy. And one of the things they were doing is they were taking... Uh, gold in LBMA bars mm-hmm. uh, out of uh, Arab ownership and recasting them into kilo bars, the Chinese oh. standard four nines, oh. and returning them to the owners or you know the owners' vaulting arrangements, mm-hmm. which is interesting because that clearly shows that the strategic thinking in uh, the Middle East is very much that the future is, if you like, Halford Mackinder's World Island, not America. And uh, 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 this matters because I think from an American point of view, and I I think from Biden's point of view, sort of very much a change from the way Trump looked at it. One thing which does make sense is to remove the power that Russia, Iran, uh, Middle East has over energy Mm -hmm. by promoting the decarbonization of fuel. And this is why I think that it makes certainly sense uh, for uh, uh, Europe, if you like. It makes sense mm-hmm. of, of their pursuit of uh, trying to uh, reduce dependency on, on fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, it's, certainly, uh, it's, it's certainly not limitless, that's for sure. And, uh, and it's getting harder and harder to find and produce uh, oil. from. Uh, so that's a reality for sure. Uh, where does that leave then, Alistair? Maybe you can just point out where that leaves uh, North and South America, Britain and Japan and Australia. Some of those that aren't included in that, uh, uh, you know, in that in that um, area that uh, Halford McKinder is talking about. Yes, um, I, I, I'm, what I did in that article is that I described quite a few of um, the, the nations in mm-hmm. the continents that you mentioned as fence sitters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I certainly knew this uh, in Africa because um, uh, you would find that local politicians, uh, you know, would take money off uh, whoever was giving him most money. And, uh, you know, it basically it would end up going into his Swiss bank account. Um 
things are different now. Um, and uh, I mean, last time I went to Grenada, which was what, about four years ago, the Chinese were building um, a, a bridge uh, for the uh, the government in Grenada, um, you know, and it was it was it was financed by the Chinese. It was staffed by by uh, Chinese, um, um, uh, you know, sort of civil engineers and so on. And some of the locals were employed on it. I mean, it's a very different thing. The way the Chinese do things is that they try and control the whole project. And mm -hmm. uh, this is very different from the sort of uh, hegemony approach of uh, the Americans in the past mm -hmm. who have, you know, either sort of, um, you know, chucked money in under the under the pretense of some sort of scheme. Um, there would have been World Bank um, mm -hmm. uh, supervision or African Development Bank supervision or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And I think the fence sitters nowadays are very much in Latin America. Um, I mean, look, look at look at Chile. She exports mm -hmm. so much uh, uh, copper oil, copper ore, sorry, and mm -hmm. uh, silver ore um, and lithium uh, to China. I mean, so, mm -hmm. um, you know, these trade links are there. And it's also true of Brazil, too. And of course, mm -hmm. you know, they have conferences which, um, you know, yeah. are Sort of the you know the Brazil, Russia, um, India, China, and South Africa, the BRICS. You know, so that is that is a separate movement. But you can see how uh, the Russian and Chinese partnerships tentacles are really stretching around the world. And um, the only really firm um, allies I think that America has of any significance are the Five Eyes part Five Eyes Partnership. Mm -hmm. which basically is Canada, uh, the UK, Australia, uh, and New Zealand, um, you know, along with the U US. Right. And, um, you know, you can see this, you can see uh, this in, in um, the uh, relationship between um, Australia and uh, China. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, right they're at the moment having huge, great trade spats. They really yes. are. Um, yes. and, and why is this? The reason for it is that Australia is very, very firmly in that Five Eyes American mm -hmm. camp. But mm -hmm. um, this is the problem. I mean, if you look at um, the populations of the Five Eyes, I mean, you've got the US itself, which is what? You're 328 million. You've yeah. got Canada, which is another 30 million or something. You've got Australia, another 30 million. You've got uh, New Zealand, which is about 8 million. And you've got us, we're about 60. Now, mm -hmm. We're, you know, in terms of numbers, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're up against over half the world's population. So, um, you know, while we've got the military power, uh, and this mm -hmm. is another point I made in the article, yeah. military power, yes, we've got a lot of military power, and there's no way that we're going to have a military co conflict because of that. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, um, we, we're losing the economic power. I mean, we've traduced our own economies to such an extent, while China in particular has continued to build hers, that, uh, you know, we're just losing out. We're losing out because we are mishandling our economies. And this is such a serious point, which I don't think anyone really talks about. No. But they should talk about, because if you're really serious about retaining uh, world power for whatever reasons, then you've got to have an economy which allows you to deliver what is necessary to retain that power. Yeah, indeed. And I guess uh, then what I'm hearing you say is Europe would be drifting towards the Chinese sphere as well. They would be part of that uh, Mackinder's uh, area that he's talking about. 
Yes, I mean, obviously not directly, but mm -hmm. uh, you will be aware that there's the Nord Stream uh, project, um, yes. which uh, is uh, a joint project between Russia mm -hmm. and Germany. And the idea of that from the Russian point of view is basically to uh, cut um, uh, the Ukraine out of um, uh, the transitional f pipeline, as it were, which goes across their ter territory and which they collect fees. And the Ukraine has been a poor payer to Russia in the past. So, you know, I mean, the, there is a sort of mini geopolitical thing there. And remember also that uh, the terminal of the overland uh, Silk Road uh, mm -hmm. is, um, you know, in Europe. And it's got, you know, you, you, you can um, uh, put your, uh, you know, a Mercedes car on the train in Stuttgart and it's in the showroom, you know, eight days later. Bam, mm -hmm. just And this is, this, so uh, the ties between... China, Russia and Europe are increasing all the time on a trade basis, not so much on a political basis. But remember also that the EU is trying to build its own separate army, if you like, mm -hmm. so that it is no longer, you know, just sort of um, dominated by NATO, which is dominated by America and, you know, Britain to a lesser extent. Um, they're trying to go their own way militarily. And I think that to me also indicates that uh, they are seeking to move away from the influence of America more and more. And now that Britain is not in the EU, it's going to be a lot easier for, for them to do that, because I think that we would have been regarded by America, and we would certainly regard ourselves um, as being very much uh, you know, that Five Eyes relationship, mm -hmm. special relationship with America, uh, you know, we we would, you know, we were America's representative in a sense in Brussels. Sure. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, Europe, you're absolutely right. Um, that, I think, I would describe as uh, a, a modern version of the African fence sitters. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's on trade rather than, than uh, bribe, bribery with, um, you know, more money than the Russians were prepared to give. Well, Alistair, it seems as though America thinks that it can depend on its military. Uh, it doesn't seem to make the connection about its indebtedness and its li its loss of, of financial uh, superiority. Uh, and it, it sort of thinks uh, they don't see the connection. Americans tend not to see the, con the connection between our fiscal irresponsibility or our, our, our decline economically with military strength. It seems to me at some point in time, a declining economy is going to affect an ability to maintain a military and retain even the military power. Um, in theory, I think you're right. Uh, but there is a tendency, I think, for any government, uh, and I, I, I hate to say this, but to put its own military ahead of its own people. Mm -hmm. So, so um, the U.S. economy can continue to run down and maintain a military, uh, I think, for some considerable time. Mm -hmm. um, it's really because of where the, you know, the sort of the politicians' priorities are, rather than uh, the priorities of the people. And of course, defence is uh, the most important thing. I mean, if you've got a problem at home, start a war abroad. You know? <laughs> and the yeah. people at home will be behind you. That's that's very crude. It's a very crude statement, but you can mm -hmm. sort of see the 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 sort of reasoning which yeah. we've seen so often in American yeah. presidents.
Yeah, Wag the Dog, it was called. I think there was a movie after that, even. Uh, in, in any event, this whole idea that um, we have had, have had, the dollar has been supported by the petrodollar. It has become the petrodollar, as you know, after we, uh, dis- uh, after we disconnected, after Nixon disconnected gold from, from money in 1971. With uh, Saudi Arabia migrating towards the uh, Chinese sphere, then, what does that do to the petrodollar? Well, the petrodollar really is, I mean, at, in, in that sense, has gone. Um, I mean, what you were talking about really is, uh, you know, you had these huge great monetary surpluses building up in uh, in the Middle East and uh, Saudi Arabia in particular came to a decision, came to an agreement with Kissinger and Nixon that uh, they would uh, take payment in dollars, uh, deposit the dollars in the U.S. banks, and then the U.S. banks could lend that money out to uh, Latin America, and of course we know what happened yeah. uh, Latin America in the late 70s. So, um, you know, that, that roundabout stopped a long, long time ago. What we now have, I think, is really, really a rather delicate balance. China understands the weaknesses of uh, the American position and also um, the weaknesses of the EU position. I mean, that, you know, you, you don't have to be a genius to see, mm-hmm. see just how, you know, you've got a failing state. It's not a failing state, but it's a collection of states under a failing umbrella, if you like, mm-hmm. um, of, the, of the European Commission. Now, these are very, very serious events, and I don't think that um, the China-Russia partnership would want to be, I mean, particularly the Chinese, I think the Russians care slightly less about this, but the Chinese don't want to be seen as um, uh, setting off a catastrophe in the West. Mm-hmm. So. I, I don't see them taking uh, uh, moves, if you like, to destabilize the dollar or to destabilize the euro. If anything, I think it'd be very careful to try and ensure that these major currencies are not destabilized. Uh, and I think they would rather find a more evolutionary way of, mm-hmm. um, you know, expanding uh, their control over what's called the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. 21 states of, you know, members and associates and and all the rest of it. Um, and I think by, by doing that and by building their own consumer base, this is another thing, mm-hmm. uh, they're going that way. Now, having said that, uh, what we see in America is an enormous budget deficit. Mm-hmm. Now, unless you see a, a sharp increase in savings, uh, that is... Uh, is re- always reflected in a large uh, um, uh, trade deficit. Mm-hmm. Now, temporarily, we know that savings have increased in the sense that people have been locked down, money has been accumulating, and um, some of them also have been given money by the government into their bank accounts. So uh, there is an increase in savings. But as soon as the lockdown uh, uh, ends and that passes, that money is going to be spent, or the majority yeah. of it's spent right. and so the trade deficit with china is going to soar but okay. then, we have, then we have another problem which we haven't talked about and we haven't got time to talk about i'm right. sure and yes, that sir. is the supply chain disruption which right. is just messing everything up right right well we are we will have to leave it go at that but, uh, but if what i'm hearing you saying is a deteriorating financial situation in the united states the the, the massive amount of debasing of the currency uh, is really what is going to undermine our uh, hegemony, our powers as America globally. And it's just sort of the Chinese have built up their wealth by producing things, and we've uh, basically uh, thrown our wealth away by consuming things and not saving. We are the uh, consumers of the world, 
we sort of transferred wealth to China in that process, and now we're not in a very good, a very good footing, I guess. Is that think, a fair assessment? I think it's a reasonable assessment. <laughs> There's so many more factors well, than that. Of course. At, at the base, yes, that, that is what has happened. All right. Well, we'll have to leave it go with that. Um, thank you so much, Alistair, for being with us. Always a pleasure having you, and uh, we'll look to do it again sometime soon, I hope. All right, folks, that's it for this week. Next week, David McIlvaney, Michael Oliver, and Dr. Quentin Henning will be with me. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Firefox Gold is actively exploring in Finland, where recent discoveries have sparked a new gold rush. Firefox controls a major portion of a prospective gold belt, giving the company a distinct advantage for exploration and strategic partnerships. The company's strong international leadership team, combined with its Finland-based exploration specialists, will put Firefox on the crest of the coming wave of gold discoveries. Firefox Gold trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol FFOX. Go to firefoxgold.com to subscribe for updates.